0: Hello friends! Welcome to episode 76 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob?
1: We're doing alright.
0: Alright, that's good, that's good, It's good. Welcome
1: you- to our, uh, those out there in live show land... We appreciate you joining us yeah, and the uh, conversation and obviously posting the cat pics. Those are wonderful and <laughs> always fun to see.
0: So uh, you had a game last weekend. I
1: did. I did. And you were in it.
0: And I was in it. How yes. Do you, how do you think it went?
1: Um, from a Game Master's perspective, I think it went exactly as I wanted it to because okay. I didn't try to do too much. I kind of right. actually settled myself on some simple goals that I wanted out of it mm-hmm. um, and uh <laughs> Took the time to follow all the guidelines that I set forth for myself with social interaction.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, I, I gotta say, um, I was super impressed with your NPC work. Thank you. Um, most of all, I think uh, all of your NPCs were very well fleshed out, had a lot of personality to them. You did You did some really good voices for them. Thank you. Um, and, uh, especially, like, at the end when the plot resolved itself and the, uh, the, the, the traitor revealed themselves to be the traitor and we all kind of decided to drag them to the town hall and, uh, humiliate them publicly and expose them before all of their friends and family. Um, uh, I could really feel the tension in the room because, uh, everybody there, I, I suddenly had a stake in, in everybody's personality there, you Mm -hmm. know? So, uh, it was a really good job and, uh, a lot of... A lot of a lot of punches right directly in the feels fields. Yes. For me.
1: Yes. I had uh, I had established, as I said to you, uh, that uh, event line uh, for your character, and well before the campaign had started, I had made so this what, idea. What he's
0: talking about is uh, our characters who had been uh, wished um, 280 years into the future, into some post-apocalyptic uh, BS. Had happened, mm-hmm. um, and uh, essentially. Uh, somebody wished on a magic lamp for us to come and fix it all because we were legendary heroes. You know, so it's like it's like wishing for the Avengers to show up mm-hmm. and then suddenly Tony Stark and, and uh, Black Widow and uh, everybody get uprooted yeah. and just plopped in this post-apocalyptic wasteland going, well, what do we do now? Well, yeah, we wished for you to fix it. Go fix it. Mm-hmm. So... The, uh,
1: the, the story says that you'll fix it, so fix it.
0: And so... Uh, yeah, the now you're discovering of, things consequences of, of what what happens when you wish for something to get fixed yep, yep um and so we walked into this town and uh somebody i'd never met before uh called me by my name mm-hmm. and grabbed me and kissed me and said that he was so glad that i was home and then a little girl ran up and called mm-hmm. me mommy mm-hmm. and that's where we ended last game session so so this
1: game started with that where i uh I kind of brought that all together and let you decide whether or not you were going to continue the fallacy or let them know that you were not who they think you were. Well,
0: I had to rip his heart out. Mm-hmm. I I had to rip that guy's heart out and tell him that his, his real wife was dead. And uh, that I was not who he thought I was. And, and that, she wasn't. that, And that she wasn't who he thought she was. Yep. The whole thing was a lie. And But don't worry. I'm going to get you some healthy helping of vengeance. Yep. And, uh. It was a very emotional game, mm-hmm. very well very well done. So. Yeah,
1: so effectively what I had done was, uh, while the players weren't there for the 200 years, uh, someone had stepped in and created a false version of them to rake in rewards and kind of continue the prophecy, if you will. And so each one of them had a counterpart uh, that they did meet. Mm-hmm. uh and uh yours my uh, doppelganger was, your yeah. doppelganger was actually quite nice didn't expect you to actually exist and uh unfortunately you, you you eventually found her dead on the road
0: yep we used uh speak with dead and she told me who killed her and so um
1: asked you to uh deliver a note to her lover
0: my little winter witch is uh on the warpath now yeah yep. so. yep.
1: you got a reason to be around
0: yeah yeah exactly so so
1: and uh And then I had to do another little side scenario for one of the players who wasn't able to make it due to some uh, real-life shenanigans Mm -hmm. uh, involving furnaces. But uh, um, we were able to wrap that up the other day. So he's caught up with the game now and uh, is looking forward to bringing his knowledge and everybody else's knowledge together and uh, kind of uh, meet uh, what I'm probably going to say is going to be almost the halfway point.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: This we, we start the downhill run from here. I think.
0: Okay, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah so so what was was the was your side session just four hours of him babysitting my daughter? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, your quote unquote daughter. <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: pretty much, pretty much. Uh, and then uh, what
0: happened and uh, how that all got resolved. Awesome. So. Awesome. 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 Yeah. All right. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Because today oh, is I've, another system spotlight for I us. I do
1: have one other thing I want to do before we get into that. What's that? We have a friend who had a birthday today. Oh, that's right. We had a dear friend who um, is not... She's a tabletop gamer. She's not necessarily a role player. But uh, give it time. Give it time. She might step into that. Uh, but we'd like to wish you a happy birthday. We hope you're having an enjoyable day. And oh,
0: that- oh,
1: that's very thoughtful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, uh, we wish you a happy birthday from the show. Um but we do have a system spotlight to talk about because we do like our miniatures.
0: We like our miniatures and, and we uh, like our robots. We like our
1: robots and uh one we of the first like battle tech we a do, lot. We do, we do. I haven't played it much, but I do really enjoy it. Oh, I do really enjoy man, it.
0: No, this is this was high school for me. This is all high school.
1: See, and I played more of the digital games than the physical games. Mm-hmm, I played mm-hmm. very little um of the uh of the actual tabletop game. I played a couple games. Uh, with friends, uh, one where I got to fire some long toms because they just put me in the corner of the board and said, just kill these people.
0: Long toms are artillery cannons <laughs> that measure their distance in maps and yeah. not hexes. <laughs> Correct.
1: Um, and we actually had a really long game for that one. But uh, beyond that, I, I played um, Crescent Hawk's Revenge mm-hmm. uh, and some of the very early games, and then later on Mech Warrior and uh, uh, the most recent Battletech game. Um, and, uh, uh, but I've gotten back into it a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, through one of our other, uh, storyteller listeners, um, and, uh, printed a few minis with him, uh, and we played some at Gen Con and then we played a couple small games here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. but, uh, with COVID, it's been shit trying to get back to that. It but, really uh, has Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we need, I, I want to get back into it because it is such a neat, Universe.
0: It's it's such a neat universe, and I'm I'm so just very enthusiastic about the, the the world building that they've done. Um, it's not it's not exactly hard sci-fi, but it it it, it verges on it. I think
1: like, it really does. I think there's enough there that it has some of the. It is. It is not as as hard as I would say. Um, some stories that we've seen out mm. there, more recent stories, but I think it definitely clicks into kind of like the Battlestar Galactica, where it's a little grittier, yeah, a little more like every moment's a little scarier because yeah, someone built this, and that someone probably built it at
0: cost, right? Kind of a right. thing. Um, what do they say? Life, life is cheap. Battle to Battle Max aren't?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, and what's funny is, is that this is also from uh, was started in eighty four, mm-hmm. so we've got thirty six years of. Of world. I know, yeah. and And changing hands and companies didn't really change the story. Right. We
0: still have everything that was there. So, uh, uh, Battletech started out as a little tabletop miniatures game called Battle Droids. Actually, in 1984. Which it produced, couldn't keep that name. Uh, for, produced by Fossa. But yeah, yeah. They, they, they had to actually change the name from Battle Droids to Battle Tech uh, because George Lucas mm-hmm. uh, sued them over the word droid. Yeah, crazy. Um, so, that man wanted to own things. Uh, first edition Battle Tech is technically Battle Droids. Mm-hmm. Um, when they rebranded it as Battle Tech, that's when Battle, second edition Battle, uh, Battle Tech came out. Um, and that was uh, made by Fossa, the same people who made Shadowrun. Uh, back in the day. So very much like we've talked about before, um Fossa was amazing at world building. Uh, they had some of the best world buildings, some of the worst rules in the uh in, in gaming, I think. Um but you could not beat their world building. No. And Battletech was, was no uh was no exception. Um now when Fossa went under uh in two thousand, uh the uh, license was picked up by WizKids. Yes uh who and we, are actually the, the license holder for the current license holder actually for D&D. Yes. And uh for Magic the Gathering.
1: And they produced a a, a Hero clicksy game for a period of time.
0: Right, called Mech Warrior Dark Age.
1: Yes. Uh which honestly the the prints of that stuff wasn't too bad. It was a little I mean it was the Hero Clicks kind of prints, yeah. but it, like it was easy access miniatures for people who kind of got a flavor for it, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of people who just didn't like the way they handled it because it was basically hero clicks.
0: It, it was. It was basically hero clicks, and especially coming from uh, <laughs> what, what was then branded as classic BattleTech, mm-hmm. uh, it was very like the the, the greatest thing about classic BattleTech is that you could put anything on the on the table that you wanted. Um yes. Whereas when they turned it into a collectible clicks game, you had to hope that you got that battle mech in a in a booster pack. Yeah. You know. And the
1: sizing was wrong. Flat out wrong. Yeah, just flat out wrong. Like a hundred ton mech looked about the same size as like a 40 ton mech. Mm -hmm. And that was just silly. Yeah. Like the urban mech was huge in their their little click set.
0: No, no, it's a little, it's a trash can. Mm -hmm. It's a little trash can with a gun on it. Uh, but I digress. Uh, so anyways, um FanPro actually a, a mm-hmm. different company held on to the rights to the classic BattleTech game. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, WizKids only bought the the rights to like the setting and the um uh, and the name. Yes. Uh, and then expanded on that as the 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 MechWarrior Dark Ages. Um, but then FanPro held on to classic BattleTech, and they did a little bit with that. Um, throughout the time, they kind of expanded their their classic rules. Um, until the current owner in two thousand seven, Catalyst uh, Catalyst Game Lab,
1: Catalyst Game Labs,
0: yes, Catalyst Game Lab uh, bought uh, uh, bought the BattleTech license, and they've been doing wonderful stuff with it ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is BattleTech?
1: So the best way that I can describe BattleTech as a whole is, it is. It is a tactical miniature game mm-hmm. using hexes and traditionally d6. We'll say d6. It's the easiest way to say it. Yeah, because d6 is used in all of the components, whether you roll a bucket of them or just a few. Um, uh, no, in... I, think,
0: I think it's always two d6 for battle tech, though.
1: Um, some of the missile rolls, uh, people tend to to do some extra stuff. It'll always be two d6 for each one of your missile sets. Oh, okay, there
0: might there might be some optional rules. Yeah, though, but yeah. Okay. Um,
1: but uh, you may still get a brick of of d- of two sets of 2d6 so that mm. you can just roll all your missiles at the same time. Gotcha. Okay. okay um okay. you know, that's still an enjoyable thing to do. Uh but it's still for the most part a-, a miniature tabletop game. It's it's technically a board game and in many ways BattleTech can be played DMless. Mm-hmm. with just the players working through the rules and interactions as they come across. A
0: lot like uh, Warhammer 40K or fantasy yeah. battles or something like that where yeah. you know you you're just two opponents on either side just facing off with your various soldiers. Yeah. Um but w- whereas you can play battle tech like that, mm-hmm. I think that leaves all the good stuff on the table or off the table I should say. Mm-hmm. Um As it were, because uh, to me, I think that the juicy thing about Battletech is not the combat rules for it, but honestly, the world building. I agree. And the absolute rich universe and history that they have created um, behind it, that led up to giant two story tall robots slugging it out in the streets of. And why, some planet in the 30th century, or uh, 31st century.
1: And why old ones, literally centuries-old machines, mm-hmm. are still being piloted current day. In
0: fact, if you do find one of those century-old ones, you got yourself a keeper. Yeah. Right.
1: Because sometimes their tech is different, and in some cases, better. And lost. And lost. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was one of the, the more interesting components of it, is because... When you look at something that is 100 tons, a hundred tons, a moving tank yeah. that has been machined and designed and built with all these ridiculous weapons and systems and, and integrated with the pilot uh, in such a way, which some of that integration changed to the storyline, but it, for lack of a better term, that mech warrior was important to, is important as the thing. If that mech warrior died, because, you know, he took a salvo to the cockpit, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. They would literally scrape him out and put somebody new in there. Because that thing was the machine. That was the reason yep. Battles was won. A single battle mech could take on a battalion of light vehicles and troops without a question. Mm-hmm. And that made a huge difference. Um, and so from that, you'd have these century-long wars that that kept going. And honor and and nobility as well as mercenary groups and 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 traitors who wouldn't yep. follow those rules i mean the term bachal of, <laughs> of 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 instead of saying hey we're gonna take your planet but instead of literally planetary bombarding it we're gonna have a nice napoleonic battle in on a field of choice mm-hmm. and we will bid you know because our force is this big we're going to bid this many to you and we see your force is this big. So, you what know are this you defend with? with Well, I
0: can defend with two companies. Well, okay, uh, okay fine. If you're going to defend with two companies, I can take it with one and a half companies. Right. Well, if you're only going to take it with one and a half companies, I can defend with a company and a support lance.
1: There we go. And that's the kind of thing that would happen, but if you lost, you lost your planet. Yep. Fair and square. And that was the honorable you 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 but were you done. You
0: saved all those resources. Right. So uh, the, the, the world building we will stop dancing around it. The world building <laughs> for, uh, for 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 Battletech in a nutshell is mankind discovers faster than light travel. Mm-hmm. Um, several hundred years in our in our future. Um, was it twenty five hundreds or something like that? Uh, it's space folding technology. So the ship is here and now in an instant, bam, the ship is there several light years away. Um, because we can now travel several light years in the blink of a blink of an eye, uh, we start colonizing the stars yep. and we create what is called the star league yep. as we expand ever outwards. Yep. Um, however, the, uh, star league eventually gets so big that, um, it cannot be ruled, uh, central rulership starts failing basically, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the goings on, on earth, on Terra, mm-hmm. um, Cease to understand the plight of the little folk in the outer rim periphery states yep. and stuff like that, and they start getting uh, upset. I think uh, actually
1: a good a good comparison at this point in the timeline um, would be Firefly. It 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 would it is the opening point that would be one I, of the systems. Actually, I I mean, I'm
0: probably a, a, for those who maybe even haven't seen Firefly. Yeah. Um, as rare as that is, it's uh, more like the the American Revolution, honestly. Mm
1: -hmm. true Um, true. because
0: we were being ruled from over in england and Mm -hmm. they didn't understand our plight all the way over here across across and honestly didn't care and didn't care yep um and so that started happening kind of with the the outer outer rim periphery states Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and so uh, a guy by the name of amaris the usurper essentially uh uh, got them all together and got and started an uprising they killed the first lord of the star league and uh the entire thing collapsed under its own weight essentially yeah um and amongst all this fracas, mm-hmm. uh, a guy by the name of Nicholas Kerensky, who was basically one of the top generals, took about Amazing general. 80% of all the military assets of the Star League and, and left. f off. And left. They, they literally hit the edge of explored space and kept jumping. Mm-hmm. And nobody knew where they went. Mm-hmm. Um, and so left a lot of the, um, the remainder of the, uh, the, the colonized worlds with no means to continue fighting yeah um, or at least they had to go bid back up onto like really old technology and the scraps of what they had left afterwards mm-hmm. um the star League shatters into what are called the five successor states, um mm-hmm. which are five major star nations um that are all basically spend the next three hundred or so years squabbling over who gets to be the next first lord of the star League,
1: yeah. And they, they fight in all kinds of ways, get mercenary companies, you know, battle, you know, smatter at each other with, you know, like, kitty claws, you know, oh, I'm going to take this planet, oh, I'm going to take these planets, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole time, there are groups trying to, uh, there. there's few groups trying to keep everything together and say, hey, guys, we need to stop fighting, you have your space, we have our space, let's let's keep this, um, let's keep this as clean as we can, because if you don't, like, this is all going to fall apart again. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those being, uh, the, the, uh, basically the, the navigators who are trying to keep all the space travel going on mm-hmm. and the other was the communicators the ones who are trying to keep communication between space worlds space
0: at&t That's otherwise right. known as Comstar,
1: Comstar, which is a, a name that comes back again and again
0: and it's kind of where like i i think what verges into some of the hard sci-fi roots in BattleTech, mm-hmm. is because because of Comstar's importance mm-hmm. um and I, I think this maybe even takes a slice out of uh uh out of dune um, oh very much so uh in, in a way because um when you're dealing with, you know, light years and interstellar different uh, distances and such like that, yeah. you know, what is the one thing that is almost impossible to do over those distances? And that's rapid communication. Yeah. You know, I know like Star Trek gets gets around this by saying, oh, ooh, subspace communication. Okay, what the hell is that? Right. Whereas- and, and it's just like you're making a Skype call with someone who's like 80 light years away.
1: Yeah, where they kind of explained it as it took a lot of power and a lot of energy to create a a, a small bubble, basically of the same thing that they use to transport the ships mm-hmm. and then they punch through that bubble to make communication to another identical bubble that they know exactly where it is in space.
0: Light speed email. Yeah, is effectively what it is. Uh-huh.
1: And without that, how do you know how to communicate anywhere?
0: So, Comstar is an organization that holds vast power in this universe because essentially as as some people have joked in the past, they are space AT&T. Mm-hmm if we shut off all the phones right now, how easy would it be for the world to function?
1: Well, I mean, in much you know? like Dune or any of the other ones is that, you know, if they didn't want a planet to be taken over, or or somebody to go out they would literally just cut their communication line and suddenly they were like whoa whoa, whoa we're sorry what are we doing like we'll yep. stop this war right now please put the phones back on <laughs> uh
0: anybody uh, so the 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 communicators that that, that do this the, these uh, interstellar communications are called hyperpulse generators AP, HPGs mm-hmm. and if anybody ever like even thought about taking you know making military actions on an HPG like Everybody, including Comstar, would jump on them. Yeah,
1: it was bad. It was really, <laughs> like, really bad. It's
0: real bad. So, um, it's it's very interesting the way that the world is put together because you've got like a resurgence of nobility. Mm-hmm. And feudalism has mm-hmm. come back. Yep. Um, you've got uh, some really like the, the the factions between the successor states are really interesting. Um, there is some real cool cultural influences of how our Earth cultures have translated into intergalactic cultures. Um, and, uh, how, uh, basically the, the, the universe as a whole has, um, reacted to widespread colonization. And I don't think it's as it's certainly not as cynical as anything like Warhammer 40,000.
1: No, it's that, I would say that is, is I mean, very I, much.
0: I think it's probably its closest neighbor. Cause you know, you get, you know, in the vast future of the 41st century, there is only war, you know, but and it's, it's kind of like that, but it's not really like that
1: no i I think it's I think it's closer to um in some ways like feudal Japan, where you had you had warlords who would do movements mm-hmm. and things of that nature, or even feudal China in the early days where you'd have small takeovers and things like that. Sure. and I think there are a lot of uh in Europe did that to a degree, uh, but there's a lot of parallels that then also came in later, which um when Kerensky came back uh from the periphery and decided to just wreck everybody. <laughs>
0: Krinsky Krens- does eventually come back in the yeah. year 3050 and he brings all of his kids with him. Yeah. Um and uh, they are
1: juiced up
0: juiced up because while everyone while everybody else was skirmishing and and bickering over who gets to reinvent the star league and essentially kicking each other's butts all the time so that nobody could recover um Kerensky was finding it was it was honing his military forces into yep. a uh literally a eugenics program of mm-hmm. like
1: of perfect warriors of
0: perfect warriors and uh came back with like technology that essentially pitted them on a two-to-one Strength ratio over any of any of the stuff that we have. I
1: mean, any any one of his mech warriors who were genetically designed could easily take on an entire battalion by themselves.
0: Not, no, 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 no. It's That's not, that not was a, the concept behind it. Not a battalion, but it was it was at least two to one. Yeah. It's at least two to one.
1: And they had superior technology as well, some with their own mechs. They had upgraded mm-hmm. and moved through the technology tree of themselves saying, like, well this isn't enough, we're gonna do this and create it.
0: So their lasers hit harder, they mm-hmm. ran cooler, their missiles fired farther. Or faster. Or faster. Yeah. So um a lot of that sort of stuff. So that kinda brings you into the second age of mech warrior where you've got um, the the clans come in. And their big idea is we're going to conquer all of you inner sphere barbarians so that we can set up the star league. Cause obviously you guys can't get your crap together. Yep. Um, and there's a whole bunch of history that happens with that too, but we, we could... could be here all night yep. going over the, history but I think of that's,
1: Battlefuck. it's a good place to pause it.
0: But su- suffice to say, I mean, th- look, we, we could go on all night about the world building of BattleTech. Yep. you know, and
1: it's, it's a super important part of it, but keep in mind just like with Warhammer or some of those worlds, this was all just to keep up the tactical game that was set there. There was, at that point, very little that was being impressed upon the RPG side of it. Mm-hmm. But the scenarios, the stories, the reasoning why you're continuing this battle, other than to say, oh, I'm still at war, no, it's House Liao, Liao has reason. To be in this stellar space with the, you know, and asking your mercenary company to do these things, mm-hmm. you know, and that you had stuff at that level to the small stuff of like, hey, we've got these, you know, uh, you know, uh, clans who are coming in and taking our space. We don't have anything to defend ourselves except for food. Like, we'll we'll pay you in food if you come here and defend us. Yeah. You know, and hold our planet. Yep. You know?
0: So let's talk a little bit about the game systems behind all this fabulous world building.
1: And it it's changed a little bit. I would say if we step away from the tabletop game, we're talking mm-hmm. about the RPG, we had the original one um which kind of mimicked uh Fasa's original storytelling behind the, their Star Trek game. Mm-hmm. Um which it was very crunch I'm going to say it crunchy. Um And, uh, had a lot of, uh, tables, had a lot of, uh, numbers behind it. Um, I want to say used, uh, as I said, a D six and a D 10, Mm-hmm. Uh, as primary dice, uh, but there were some other things that went into it. But no, there was is, a lot of this
0: is this is Mech Warrior, not Battle Talk. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so early early a, stuff. A little a little context. Yeah. I, I think we, we skipped ahead a little That's too true. much here. Um. So w- what you're talking about is uh, when they eventually came out with the tabletop rules for how to run out of the Battle Mech, like the personal storytelling yes. that we all know and love as a tabletop role-playing game. Yes. Um. And that was released at, under the name Mech Warrior, mm-hmm. which I know probably a lot of you know the the video game Mech Warriors and stuff like that. But that that's kind of where that came from. Um, was this Mech Warrior role, uh, tabletop role playing game? Uh, eventually, yeah, they they cleaned it up a bit. Um, I played second edition, yeah, uh, cool. when that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was going back and looking at it, um, I think it it, it felt very uh, along the lines of like. I think if Gurps and Palladium kind of had a baby, I mean, it... and it hung out with BattleTech too much, it might grow up to be MechWarrior Second Edition.
1: Okay, I could agree with that. I could also see some direct parallels with Shadowrun, early Shadowrun. Um, in the way that the there was a lot of um character development that was included in it, um but also uh, a a hard breakdown of skill sets and tactical sets mm-hmm. and um, things that made your character unique, quirky kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it fit a lot of those early things, but also in just the mechanics of building your character. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't have a lot of systems that time. That I mean, D and D didn't do it. Um, you know, and and some of the other ones, but you, uh, or or even uh, World of Darkness, but it was a point by system. Um, in a different method
0: yeah yeah all your your xp became a currency with Mm -hmm. which to purchase uh you know purchase and upgrade uh your skills and such like that so i think that was kind of a new concept at the time and uh so you got to give them a little credit for for doing that as well trying something different Mm -hmm.
1: and and for the most part for a system that was exceptionally technical and had a lot of uh, of straight rules um that it was trying to refine itself whereas most role-playing games that had tactical elements were the opposite.
0: Right, right. They were
1: very flexible when you got to the table, so... Uh,
0: Now, uh, MechWarrior RPG um, has gone through some changes. Um, There was a third edition of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see here, and that... That got republished then as the BattleTech RPG, yes, which Re- was just a reprint of third edition, right, with all the
1: errata included, right. They just packed it all into one,
0: right. Um, and now versus
1: having tons of extra books.
0: Uh, Catalyst Game Lab have um, they said they they rewrote it from the ground up. Um, it looks very similar. It's it still carries a lot of the same a lot of the same look and feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so it's it's still very recognizable from it uh, from its roots. Um, But it's been written from the ground up um, to address a lot of the balance issues and such like that. And it's now called Battletech A Time of War.
1: Which I think works really well. Yeah, I like that. Um, I will flat out say with over 500 books in the Battletech line, finding Battletech the RPG guide is hard. It honestly
0: is hard. There's so many, like, books and expansions and technical manuals. So much. So much. Uh, it's just, it's such a, such a huge property. And then, of course, you figure in even, like, map sets and, uh... Oh, God.
1: Um, Uh, you, 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 and that doesn't even go into minis. Yeah. Or, or any of the other, I mean, there were, when I looked at it, there were five, there were five or six full releases of the Star map, the Star League map.
0: What did you say it was, 505? Uh... 505
1: it was 505 that i found and that did not include minis dice shirts or any of that stuff that was just literally the books that's, and errata
0: books and errata not and not novels no and that's, no, that's no, no novels the history of, of of the game though. that's the so history that's, of the that's game all that's all the way to the back again yeah to current okay
1: and all it did include some of the german prints which there mm. were d- direct prints of those, so sure, in that sense. Sure. But uh, yeah, it didn't include any of the, the novella either, oh, which there goodness. are tons and of there's that. There's tons of that, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, some of the some of the best stories I've ever read, uh, I've, I've, I've ever read, so...
1: So, getting into that, um, one of the things in character creation that did intrigue me about it is Life Path. Yeah! Which a, I thought it's really was unique. a unique way of, of doing things. Yeah, I, I think d d 5th Edition tries to do a flavor of that a bit, uh, in the way that, uh, basically... What, well, they,
0: they have your well, your background. Right, right.
1: Uh-huh. And it's two flavors. You, you right. Basically, your history and your current, a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, but... Uh, Battletech went through and actually said, like, okay, here's where you started. This was your early life education. Like, here's or where you were born. Like You were born a farmer, or you were born a noble, and you got certain things from that. And then, like, you went to school, or you went to the police chem- academy, or you went to whatever, and you learned these things. Mm-hmm. And then, as you got older, you did this. You know, I joined a mercenary company, or I worked for House Liao, or I was a station guard, or I worked for Comstar, and you got those things. Mm-hmm. And then you had, even beyond that that like extracurricular things that you could do that was on top of them mm-hmm. and that was a whole that's a whole method of the way their characters and basically of that or just straight up point by where you're like i'm gonna buy all these things and just make my character
0: i think it was uh we, we discussed um traveler second edition does things very much like that where you go in four year stints okay basically and you can uh you can actually just keep aging your character essentially by four years at a time and mm-hmm. gaining more experience but of course you get older and right. that has an effect on your character exactly um, so if you want, you can do a wizened old codger but or or you could do a young you know young whippersnapper mm-hmm, one way mm-hmm. or another. but um, you know as, as you add these these modules on of experience, yep you keep going. yeah
1: one of the uh, one of the ideas I had for a, a lance uh, for Battletech was uh, for our group mm-hmm. uh, was the uh, silver foxes and they were all older Battletech. Warriors. Oh, I like that. And all their mechs had the paint stripped off of them, back to the bare metal. So you'd have these oddly, like, looked like they were just literally scraped because they'd been through so much. Now
0: that's just a cheap way to get out of painting your. Hey, maze. I'm just saying. <laughs> you do
1: what you do. You do what you do. Although it'd be really cool to paint them and then strip it off in places to make yeah, it to, to yeah. do that kind of stuff and give it little blackened marks and and pocks and things like that because they'd been around. There's ways know? of doing that. There's yeah, ways yeah, of doing definitely. that.
0: I'll show you some techniques with uh with an airbrush and liquid latex. Well, there we go. Um, so, all right, uh, the uh, Battletech itself, um, aside from, you know, the, so we, we discussed like the, the, the out of the mech role-playing sort of stuff, but, mm-hmm. uh, even in the mech, you know, there's a certain amount of tabletop role-playing you can do simply because, um, all of all the situations oh, God, yeah. and, and characters behind the people piloting these things, Yeah. the tactical game is really just nothing much more than what you're going to be doing in D&D fifth edition anyways, mm-hmm. with a, you know, a, a grid and some terrain. And rolling some dice to work that out—it's mm-hmm. the exact same thing in BattleTech when you're using hexes. Yep. Um, and a lot of that is—I uh, I think one of BattleTech's drawbacks is that on the surface it looks really intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're maybe, talking about the table game. Yeah, maybe not to maybe maybe not to people who play like Pathfinder and they're used to you know adding and subtracting a bunch of floating modifiers to figure mm-hmm. out what their end uh, their end or even cultists. Shadowrun, yeah. Um, but, or, or yeah, Shadowrun. I mean, if you play Shadowrun, Battletech's going to be easy for mm-hmm. you. Um, but I think the, the great thing about Battletech is that once you get into the flow of it, you realize that all the, the charts and modifiers and stuff of that are, <laughs> um, very procedural and yes. very easy to remember. Well, it's,
1: you can literally play the game with two sheets of paper mm-hmm. and your character, your, your, your mech sheet and two sheets of paper. And that's literally all you need. I, I. I have a hard time thinking of any other tactical RPG that does that. That, I mean, D&D 5th edition, you need a lot more than two sheets of paper, even for the DM screen.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Any, I I played Warhammer Fantasy a lot back in the day, too, and that was the oh, same God, thing. Yeah. You needed the entire book next to you at, at any given time. At point.
1: any given time, because this place and, you know, this group and this group were radically different, and you had to have all kinds of stuff, and it, was, it wasn't very easy. I mean, even if you roll back uh, from 5th edition to uh, 3rd edition, like... The weapons chart was a pain in the butt. We were talking about that. Like, oh, yeah. oh is this a D twelve or is it a D eight or is it is it two handed,
0: well, one hand or two hands? So is you it get three one times half crit? times your strength modifier? But it's a three times crit and crits and on crit a 19 range, and 20. You yeah. know,
1: and, and and it's like, okay, that that's one sheet to itself. And we're not even talking about armor. Yeah. Like, oh, am I encumbered in my armor? Do I not get my Dex modifier?
0: Right. You know, right, and right.
1: yet, you know, it's literally what's fire my, the laser? What's my touch AC? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is this thing within contact with me? Is it within
0: three hexes, five hexes, or twelve hexes? It's d- did I move? Yeah, yes. Did they move? Yes. How far? There's your There's your second modifier. Right. Um, uh, are there any intervening pieces of terrain? Yeah. Um, Plus one for the light woods between you and me and one for the one you're in. So that's another plus two. Um, And then uh, do I have any current heat modifiers? No. What's my range? Medium. That's another plus two. So I'm plus six this turn. There we go. My gunnery is three plus six. That's nine. I need to roll nines on 2d6. There you go. You just learned battle talk.
1: That's it. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's, it's again, sounds like a lot but uh-huh. it's not and then they created it so it could be scaled up meaning hey if you just want to shoot and walk around and until someone falls down mm-hmm. great you can play that game oh oh you want it a little challenging here now you have to manage heat so here's a little heat register yeah. so when you fire or walk it's going to go up and you know it's going to go up and you have to cool yourself down and uh, here's ammo you got to keep track of ammo when you fire your lasers or your machine guns okay mm-hmm. whether it's a burst or whatever fire oh that's not enough You know what? There's a little fleshy dude inside of your cockpit, and when you fall down, he's going to bump his head.
0: (laughs) All right, this is a family podcast. We want to hear about your little fleshy dude?
1: (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. But, I mean, and that's the thing is that they kept expanding to those levels, but you don't have to play with those levels at all. Uh Uh-huh. And, again, you're hard-pressed to think of other games. I mean, yeah, D&D does have grittier realism, but you literally are changing rules. You're not adding, necessarily. Exactly, yeah. And... And you make decisions on whether or not you're going to do that as a whole versus what you're going to do as a scene necessarily, whereas Battletech you could do it literally scenario to scenario that mm-hmm. way
0: so and that's that's I think without without even talking um about any of like the expanded systems that they've done as well uh now keeping in mind that i'm I'm actually not terribly well versed in catalyst's uh uh library of new Battletech products right. Uh, so I, I deeply apologize for that. But uh, what I am very familiar with was Fossil's old catalog. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I played this all through high school. And they did things like Aerotech.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's all your naval naval battles. You want to find out what happens before you make Planetfall when the dropships and the aerospace fighters are all zipping around fighting in the atmosphere of the planet? Mm-hmm. That's Aerotech. Mm-hmm. You want to f- uh, figure out what happens on larger scales because fighting... I mean, 12 battle mechs versus 12 battle mechs is a long commitment all day. It really playing is. Playing with those. So, if you want to find out a company versus company, you can do Battle Force instead. Mm-hmm. Battle Force was uh, a scaled down version of BattleTech that allowed you to group your mechs into groups of four. Takes it to the macro. And takes it to the macro. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had a lot of more tactical, swifter, but larger scale combat. You want to go even larger than that. They offered something called Planetary Assault,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, which I understand now has been rewritten as Interstellar Operations, I believe, is the new book for Catalyst. Sounds good. Um, And that literally takes it to a global scale Mm -hmm. where you're moving around on hexes that are the size of, like, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania.
1: So you're dealing less with, you know, less with individual units and more with... uh, I'm going to use this this group to mm-hmm. attack this quadrant.
0: Whole companies, literally twelve battle mechs makes up a single unit. In mm-hmm. this, you know, so it's more like risk. Yeah, moving moving whole battalions at a time, fortifying areas, but make, establishing you know forward operating bases, mm-hmm. stretching your supply lines as you advance on your enemy, um, harassing their flanks and stuff like that. It's all. Um, I mean, it doesn't even use a hex map, really. Mm-mm. You know. Yeah. Um, and so if you want, you can get that big with Battletech mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what, it's stupidly fun. Yeah.
1: It's, it's more of spreadsheets and numbers, but for it's still enjoyable.
0: For the armchair strategists among us, mm-hmm. it is stupidly fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So as a whole, in my opinion, I see Battletech pretty much as a, it's a good board game mm-hmm. with miniatures. Uh, that has a rich universe and the ability, to, just like anything, because of that rich universe that goes down to the micro, and and as large as the macro as we were talking about, where you're dealing with whole sectors of space and, and what the meaningfulness of that sector of space is uh, and the resources therein, you can easily run a nice campaign. You could have a five-person game, which is very appropriate, and have those five people be a group of... Where you have maybe one of them is a mech warrior who goes out and comes back and you don't necessarily even have to run those mech scenarios. Mm-hmm. You can just, you know, randomize that section of it and have it return and have repairs and have all kinds of stuff that go on in the social aspects and even like ship to ship stuff where you're stealing, you know, gear to try and keep your mechs running and things yep. like that, you yep. know?
0: Um, I mean, just infinite possibilities within the uh, within the, the world building um, for things that you can do from from the small scale mm-hmm. of uh, you know minor minor nobility in some weird periphery state none of us have ever heard of makes power move on other minor nobility. Um, all the way up to the Fourth Succession War, <laughs> you exactly. know, where uh, the entirety of House Davian and house, S- house Steiners banded together and tried to destroy House Liao, you mm-hmm. know,
1: mm-hmm. and um, you're caught in it
0: and you're caught in the middle of it mm-hmm. as, as maybe a house regular or maybe you're a mercenary or maybe you're just a planetary garrison who didn't like it when the Federated Suns made planetfall
1: or worse yet. You're a member of ComStar defending your one little comm center. Yep. And someone does something stupid.
0: I mean just, just infinite possibilities yep. there. Um and I think that's, that's one of the greatest things that that makes BattleTech cool. Mm-hmm. Um is it's such a deeply designed universe. You've got such a rich political background. Um, all these different things that you can that you can go for on a small scale to a gigantic universe altering scale. Yeah. Um well thought out technical logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can jump around the universe, but it does still take a lot of time because they've really gone into the depths of how logistics and stuff like that works, you know, in their and, in their space system.
1: And the system itself does that with character creation and saying, you're not just a bunch of skills. You have a history, just like everything else in our system. We want you to have a history, a reason why you know what you know and where you are in your life. Mm-hmm. And to help you with that, because not everyone is super creative and can look at all of this data and parse it together and say, I want to be an X. Now
0: they can look and say, oh, yeah, I could start out life as this and then do this and then do this. That sounds really cool. we have got a question in the live chat from sure. Knox in the box, and I do want to just say I'll get to that in just a second. That's an excellent question. We'll mm-hmm. be there. Um, I, I like that there's uh, different rules for different levels of engagement. Mm-hmm um you know obviously you you've got all the way down to out of the mech mm-hmm. as a person yep. all the way up to moving whole companies at a time mm-hmm. um uh and of course you know like i said you've got you've even got you know alternate alternate modes like you know uh aerotech and stuff like that um they came up with the rules to city tech for fighting big urban battles and such like that so um honestly I really suggest it if you really want to look into it. If you're if you're a bit of an armchair strategist, you kind of like a war you know a, a war game um, where you know conflict is is kind of the key, and you're not going to necessarily be doing the um, I would say the day to day adventury travel sort of stuff that you are in 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 D anD D. If you're more akin to just wanting to get into some combat, but you're sick of dungeon crawling, give Battletech a look.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: Absolutely give Battletech a look.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree.
0: All right. Questions. Where do you want to start? I want to start with the one that came up in live chat. Okay, go for it. Knox in the Box asks, how do you write stories for a war campaign?
1: I think there's a lot of different levels to it.
0: There's a lot of different levels to it, but I I would say initially my reaction is just like you write any other story. Okay. Okay. You have the player group. Mm Mm-hmm you have some sort of impetus for the player group to get involved in a conflict. Mm-hmm. Okay. So whether this is um, the mayor comes to them while they're sitting at, at the tavern and says, Hey, I need to hire a band of adventurers. Right. Or in this case, the sovereign of some planet comes to you and says, we're having a lot of problems with, with, uh, with pirates and we would like to hire your mercenary company. Yep. Okay. So we have an impetus for the, uh, for the player characters to get involved. Mm hmm we've got a um a group that they are going to be in conflict with at yep. least at the setup which is the pirates okay mm-hmm. um ideally you're going to want some sort of a dramatic twist in there yep um so maybe they get hired uh, to go fight these pirates, they show up. Maybe the pirates aren't really pirates, but they're actually, like, refugees. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the people who hired you are the bad guys. Yep. And they want you to quash these refugees and stomp their are uprising. Are working for the baddies? <laughs> right. Maybe um, they betray you to the pirates. um Because the pirates make it, you know, blackmail them in some way. And basically say, hey, get rid of these mercenaries or else. Um, Maybe a third party jumps in. Uh and suddenly you're fighting a two front war between the pirates and somebody else uh but you know have some sort of dramatic twist there that complicates measures um and then you know let them fight their way out of it uh you're you're gonna have the same sort of complications that you do like in a d and d game where you're gonna potentially have casualties. You may lose some resources. You may gain some resources. Maybe there's your treasure at the end of it isn't going to be a plus one longsword, but maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a battle mech. You, you you headshot and were able to salvage.
1: Yeah. Again, uh, the, there is very little difference between uh, worlds. Mm-hmm. It, it all comes down to why are they there? What are they there to find? What did they find instead? How does that change them? Mm-hmm. And then do it again.
0: Yeah. And, and it's it just again. a
1: slow progression. You don't have to have the entire thing written out. Take it mark by mark and build. let them help you build that world.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, pretty much it's like you'd write any other story, just on a larger scale with more robots. Yep. Uh, all right. So. Uh,
1: Mad Elf's got a question.
0: Yeah, the Mad Elf has a couple questions here.
1: Favorite game iteration of the franchise?
0: Battle Force by far. By far. Mm-hmm.
1: I I I still like the traditional battle tech, like the mm-hmm. the, uh, and I like the digital versions, but that's what I've gotten used to. Um, but just the 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 small team, the 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 lance running against lance, you yeah. know, defending yeah. the world. I love that kind of stuff. And city fight was huge for me. I loved the city fight rules. So being able to run down a street and have a, a chance that your mech slides and runs into a building. And then collapses the building yes. because it was
0: just this or little... Or take yeah. down
1: the building that something's standing on.
0: Oh, yeah. Collapse it off from under him and yep. watch it just come down a mm-hmm. big pile of rubble. Yeah. Um, they they added a lot of those rules to the, uh, to the, the, the Battletech video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they very much they did. With.
1: Uh, for the interested in story color uh, story color setting, would you recommend any fiction written about the setting? I'd recommend a lot of the fiction written by the setting. Um, I don't recall. I read read two of the books, but I don't recall. I want to say one of them was based off of the name uh, of the game that I originally played, which was Crescent Hawk's Revenge, I think. And there was a follow-up to that one, but I can't remember it. But I'm sure that if I say in live chat that Overwatch should list out some of the books, he will remember them because he is good like that. Uh, so look to, uh, uh, if you're interested, Matt, I'll take a look in live chat, and I'm willing to bet someone there will have a direct answer for you See of you what a good book uh he might, and if he doesn't, he can he can definitely uh, DM, mm, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll put it in there, and we'll put it in the question discussion.
0: Um, I would say if if you're gonna get interested into the fiction of uh, of the BattleTech universe, um, I'm not up on any of the new stuff, but uh, the to introduce you into the clans and the clan invasion and stuff like that, um, I think the blood of Cl- blood that Blood of Kerensky trilogy. Mm, there you go. Uh, was, uh, where I got started and I think it's a really great place to get started in the series. Yeah. It kind of puts you right into the action. It introduces a lot of the major characters in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and pulls you from, it, it, it shows you the transition from the succession wars into the clan wars. Which was heavy. Which was basically the the biggest shift in battle tech history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and so it walks you through all of that. Um you get to know all the major characters and stuff of like that, and uh uh that'll get you set up and you'll get interested from there. Um yeah. if you do get through that, then jump on the Exodus Road series. Mm-hmm. Seven books, I believe. Um and that's kind of the end of the clan wars ish dot dot question mark.
1: Um the stability of the clan wars i would say st- at that point.
0: yeah it's it's the 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 end of the um the end of the open aggression in the clan wars yes yeah
1: it's where things leveled off that's the best way of it without ruining anything in there yeah so yeah. um nox has another question
0: okay Go ahead. Uh, So he asks, uh, are are there any kinds of programs or apps that a noob like me could use to work as kind of a HUD and help me keep track of all the declared shots and heat levels? I could easily see myself making a lot of wasteful choices in the beginning. Um, Um,
1: I put one out there that's a player app. Um and actually put it in uh, in the discussions. That um, called Mech Factory. Yeah, and that actually does a really good job of keeping track of uh, of your Mac turn by turn. Helps heat management. Helps ammo management uh is a really great resource if you don't have every single book but you you're like oh my gosh I know there's a variant of the the Shadow Cat that has this on it but I can't remember what it was called whether it was a you know a 2C or whatever and I, I'm not good at those things it will help you find that which is wonderful and it's also really good for helping you find it because you may want to try and print a 3D mini of it or or purchase one mm-hmm. um which is a huge thing um but most the, the biggest part of it is is that it's got, the, um, uh, it's got the sheets for you in there so that you can go ahead and just uh, start playing. Uh, there is a way in there to have multiple mechs. so you can keep track of like a, a, a company uh, or a lance and uh, have all the sheets there. But honestly, which is really great, the sheets for Battletech are really good at keeping track of things agreed Um, agreed. they've changed over the years the newer ones are much much better done uh and as as long as you've got again that sheet your character your your battle mech sheet Mm -hmm. um and you've got the the basically there's a a a one page flipped over uh that has the base rules on it it walks you through everything yeah and it's fantastic and the quick start box set comes with that Mm -hmm. um which is wonderful and so if you're if you're even remotely uh, interested in it? I would say go to the store, get a Quick Start box set. It comes with mechs, it comes with maps, it comes with all the all the rules you need to get started. Yeah, and absolutely. it's wonderful.
0: Um, and I would say making you you say uh, you see yourself making a lot of wasteful choices in the beginning, and I, I don't really think that's a that's a thing uh, no. in BattleTech. Like no. you don't, there's not really a way to make wasteful choices. I mean, especially if you're if you're not building the battle mechs yourself. Uh, which there are rules for, oh, yeah. for custom customizing your battle max, but, um, you know, if you're just taking stock battle max and fighting with them, there's n- like no choice that you're going to make is going to be necessarily be wasteful. Um, it's all just, you know, movement and heat, heat falls off every turn mm-hmm. based on how many heat sinks you have. Yep. Um, and the only thing you really need to keep track of that, like you don't really even need an app to keep track of it. Um, the most clever thing I've seen is that the heat scale is kind of on the lower right-hand side of the sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. I've seen people use a paper clip mm-hmm. to frame the heat number Yep, um, and slide it up and down the side of the paper.
1: There's also uh, 3D-printed pegboards that people use uh, for both uh, for heat and for uh, um, tracking uh, to say how much you've moved. And those are very simple pieces. Um and I've seen all kinds of those, uh, but a lot of people just use a D20. Mm-hmm. They'll just keep a D20 and tick it up as their yeah. as their heat goes up um, bad or, or movement goes up. They, they might have another die for that. Um, so there's a number of ways you can do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I will flat out say, the more you play the more you can scale yourself. You don't have to start with heat and ammo. You can start without that and Exa- just play exactly. the base rules and get used to movement and what happens and what turns and then step it up to, okay, now we're going to deal with, we're now going to have heat and ammo. Now we're going to have critical hits. Now we're going to have yeah. the, the next stage on top of that.
0: And like, uh, there, there's, do- there's also different tech levels you mm-hmm. can play at. So yep. like, I would suggest playing like with a uh, 30 tech. Mm-hmm. Um thirty twenty five is before the clans showed up. Mm-hmm. And it's all, like, um, very low-tech stuff. There's not a lot of weapon selection.
1: Missiles, lasers, yeah, ballistics. Short
0: and long-range missiles, lasers, particle projection cannons, and then autocannons. Mm-hmm. That's that's literally it, the mm-hmm. entire thing. Um, and there, there's a couple variants of each type, but the... the it's the, quick to memorize. It's quick to memorize, and you'll you'll understand the differences, and there's only, like... A th- three or four variations of every type, you know? Mm-hmm. An LRM-5, an LRM-10, LRM-15, and LRM-20. Guess how many missiles each one fires? Simple as that. And it's one damage per missile. Yep. There you go. You just learned battle tech, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know? You're still going to roll the same dice to see if they hit. mm
1: mm-hmm. um, And their hit charts may uh, change a little bit, but literally this one chart that shows you how that works. How many missiles landed, right? Yeah, it's that simple. I mean, they made, again, as I said, they've made it basically a two-sheet game. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Now you can get into the advanced critical roles and things like that, which take a little bit more because there are some things for that. Like you get hit in a critical area. It may not only affect that and you have to make a roll to see if it actually does affect it. And if it does, what else does that happen? You could have ammo explode and things like that, which add to complexities of the game and make it more challenging. Um, but again, you don't have to play with any of that.
0: Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and describing it, I think makes it sound a lot scarier than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like talking about it makes it sound super complex, but mm-hmm. like in play, it sounds like okay. Uh, rolled a hit. Let's see here. That's a left torso breaches internal hit. Um, so we're gonna roll to see if it crit. Oh, a critical hit. That's a six and a two. My six two on my left torso is engine shielding. Yeah, it's an engine hit. And that's engine on hit.
1: your character sheet that helps you with that.
0: And boom, we just like that was four die rolls, and I just resolved a critical hit. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Yep, and you literally just mark it off on your sheet.
0: It's that quick. Yep. So,
1: yeah, I I, I almost say that D&D is more complex in in doing anything, and that's... I've played an entire combat scenario with four other players moving across in a giant board uh, for hours, and it still takes less time than the same type of combat would take in mm D&D, without a doubt. Yeah. Because there's nothing... There's none of the, oh, God, what am I going to do on this turn to make this six seconds count there's
0: actually fewer rules oh way there's only so many things you can do with a battle mech with four medium lasers on it it has a directional face too right like sometimes you're just not pointed at him so guess what you gotta not do that okay well i guess that's my turn you know whereas your wizard's gonna be searching through his entire spell book going do i want to cast fireball or do i want to cast lightning bolt you know your your fighter is thinking what do i want to blow my second wind this turn you know and 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 get all four swings in on this guy to you know but again, there's only so many things you can do with a battle, like with four medium lasers. You know, I, I used to pilot a, uh, a catapult with dual uh, dual LRM-20s on it. Mm. The thing would just bombard people. Bunny ears. But again, that's, that's two die rolls. Yeah. One for each long-range missile launcher. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm done. Yep. <laughs> you know, next next turn. Yep, um, yep. Overwatch did get back with us. Oh, we did. Uh, in the live chat oh, uh, look about, at that. The, about the books. Um, he says, Stackpole and Coleman were the best writers back uh, when. Yes. And I, I agree with Stackpole. Absolutely. Love that guy's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, Stackpole wrote the Warrior Trilogy and the Blood of Kerensky Trilogy. There you go. Twilight of the Clans is eight books, not yes. seven. Uh, after you read Stackpole's early history stuff, check out Coleman's books on the uh, Fedcom, the Federated Commonwealth Civil War. Gotcha. Patriots and Tyrants, Storms of Fate... And Endgame, uh, short version. Uh, read the Warrior trilogy, then Blood of Krinsky, then Twilight of the Clans, then Civil War by Coleman.
1: Okay, there we go.
0: So there, there's your there's your suggestions on a primer for greeting material.
1: Yes, yes, and I would say if you if you have questions, throw them in the chat. Uh, there are. questions resources available to help you through a lot of it. Uh, and I know that we'll probably, as time goes on, talk more about Battletech and the universe as a whole, but I think we are going to take FOSA, uh a little bit in their world building uh, at a future time uh, in a show on its own, just because their world building is significantly different
0: yeah it really is um
1: and it's made an unbelievable contribution to gaming as a whole Mm -hmm. it changed a lot of people things changed when they put things out uh and it it's made for a very rich uh, experience for a lot of people yeah so
0: um we got we got a few minutes left sure we want to talk about some of the ancillary properties that have popped up around BattleTech oh geez like the video games and such like that. yeah
1: we we've had uh well microsoft when fossa did its initial breakup uh and whiz kids took off with some of the property back up oh you're talking oh god you're talking about the original games Mm -hmm. yeah well again cross and soccer revenge was one of the originals
0: well so way back in the day though there was this place called virtual world oh they only had a couple locations one of which was in chicago i know that one i think the other one was in seattle uh, well, there was the Battletech Centers
1: mm-hmm. um, that were part of... Virtual World was the hardware manufacturer okay, okay. Uh, who made it for, specifically for Battletech, for the Battletech Centers, and Chicago was the big one. Um, I wish I would have made it too and never did. Later on, uh, probably about, uh, I want to say, 6 to 7 years after the BattleTech center closed, Virtual Worlds broke off and did their own thing but kept were able to keep the digital license for right that. right right. So what uh, those
0: what those were though is those were these like, actual pods, almost full sim pods yes. that ran um now I think by by modern uh, uh, standards they're probably not that great. Yeah. Um but holy cow back in the day. I loved day, it. Man. I freaking love being
1: um, able to have you could like play 16 whole
0: enclosures yeah. of like uh you know, like if you played of the sit down arcade games like Afterburner back in the day.
1: Yeah, it was it was like that but you were actually sealed inside. Oh man. All right. It was so an experience, we're, but We're uh, running out
0: of time here though. So uh yeah. next week's topic is going to be a mini series, back to our mini series on, uh, on encounters mm-hmm. where we're talking about environmental and extended encounters. Yeah,
1: I know that kind of questions people but uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. So Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: All right, so you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and uh, join us up on our Discord. You can find uh, the link to that on our Twitter feed. Uh, We tweet that out all the time. As well as uh, on our website StorytellerConclave.com
1: We'd like to thank our Patreon members uh, especially our named members, Knox in the Box, Sam Arcanus Helm, and Sparkle Motion. You guys really help us out every week and we are looking forward to gather more so you guys can join us in the live chat. Our pre-show music is Arcane Anthems. You can find that at Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems. Our intro music, Beyond the Warriors is by Frog. You can find that geefrogmusic.webley.com Our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash Machine slash tracks.
0: And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicki and Sean. Thank you so much for supporting us and putting up with us every week (laughs) as we do this. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables and gamed with us over the years and given us experience to share with all of you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Stay safe. Love you. Good night. Good night.